vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body, supplying the much needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. Buenos dias, brothers and sisters. Yes. Anybody speaking in Espanol here? All right. <laughs> no, I will not be preaching in Spanish. Can't do it. Uh, uh, but it's good to be in the house of the Lord with you and uh, been granted the privilege of, of ministering what the Lord has uh, put on my heart to minister to all of you. So I pray. I'm going to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you in your presence to hear you, Father, not to hear me, to hear you, to hear your word. Uh, Father, we want to hear your voice as it applies to us. So as I, as you use me, Father, as an instrument and a conduit, let it be uh, you expressing yourself uh, through me, Father. And uh, I pray that the hearts are prepared to receive uh, to not wrestle with your word to their own demise, but to accept it and embrace it in the love that is uh, uh, with your word. Father, for you desire to rescue us and save us from ourselves and save us uh, uh, from your enemy. And uh, you desire us to be a light uh, and a salt in the earth, Father. So help us to be a godly influence to all those around us. And Father, transform us and wash us with your word. Uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 27. David said, the Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Thank you, Jesus. But how do we get there? Because the reality is that every man fears something. Whom shall I fear? guess is the question for today. In 1 Kings, was a great uh, prophet of the Lord, wasn't perfect himself, but nevertheless he was a prophet of the Lord, and the word of the Lord came to this prophet in the third year of the reign of King Ahab, and he said to this prophet named Elijah, I want you to go, I want you to present yourself to the king. Because I'm going to send rain on the earth again. God was so upset with the northern kingdom of Israel because of the abominations and the idolatries that the king, his wife, were allowing to take place in there. The the kingdom had split and and they went off and did uh, many of their own things, which was very displeasing to the Lord. So he caused it to stop raining. There was famine, there was drought. And so the Lord had told his prophet, who's, you know, will never do a thing uh, for the people of God until he lets his prophets know, his intimates. So he says, go to Ahab and present yourself. Because there was a severe famine in Samaria. 
And Ahab was with Obadiah. And Obadiah was in charge of his house and all of his belongings. So whenever the king traveled, he needed someone to take care of his belongings, and that was Obadiah. And it said very clearly now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Whom shall I fear? Obadiah feared the Lord. For so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had them with bread and water. Yet he was in charge of the house of King Ahab. Reminds me of so many Jews that were hidden from the persecution that was around them. And we wonder, well, should we ever do such a thing? Well, the scriptures teach us that even when uh, there are rulers of this present world that are persecuting the people of God, even the people of God who feared the Lord would hide those prophets. So there shouldn't be any uh, hesitation in doing something like that especially when the government or the people in power say, hey, do you know where the prophets are? Well, I'm not going to tell you. I hid them and I'm feeding them bread and water because I fear the Lord greater than you. Now Ahab had said to Obadiah, there was some time that, that, that they were uh, walking together, I need you to go into the land to all the springs and the brooks and we need to find grass. We, we, we need to find water for the, for the mules and the livestock that we have. So we don't have to, uh, so that we won't have to kill any. And so they divided the land among them to explore. And Ahab went one way, and and uh, Obadiah went another way. And all of a sudden, Obadiah ran into Elijah. And Elijah was uh, being pursued by Ahab for quite some time. And when he met Obadiah. Obadiah was, is that you? Is, are you? is that you, my Lord Elijah? And he said, yeah, it is. And I want you to go tell your master that I'm now here. And Obadiah was not having that kind of message. He said, how have I sinned that you are going to deliver me, your servant, into the hand of King Ahab to kill me? Why? Because so many times it has been said that you were here, you were there, and then when King Ahab goes there to find you, he can't find you. He says, the Spirit of the Lord takes you from, from one place to another and makes you disappear. If I tell King Ahab that you're here, he's going to kill me. He's going to get mad at me because he said that, you know, I told him that you're here and then you're not going to be found here. And you know that your servant fears the Lord. And I have done so since my youth. So in verse 13, was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord and how I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave and fed them with bread and water. And so as I was reviewing this, I didn't, maybe I didn't remember that Elijah knew that there were other prophets that had not been slayed, that had not bowed their knees to King Ahab or Jezebel, his wife. He was told specifically that I, didn't you hear how I put away, you know, some prophets and kept them safe? He wasn't alone. 
And I, and I bring that up to, to hopefully make another point later on. But he was well aware that there were other prophets in the region. They were being hidden though. So Elijah says, I understand your concern, but I'm not leaving. As the Lord lives, I'm going to be here standing and I will surely present myself to the king, to Ahab. So Obadiah leaves. He finds Ahab. He says, Ahab, I got Elijah back over here. And so they went to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw Elijah, he said, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, Elijah in reply, I've not troubled Israel. Let, let's talk about why you are in such a famine. It is because of you. It is because your house. It is because your father's house. Because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. Because you have followed Baal. That's what's troubling Israel right now. Now, therefore, send, he requests of Ahab, I want you to send all Israel to Mount Carmel. And I want you to bring the 450 prophets of Baal. And I want you to bring the 400 prophets of Asherah, who ate at Jezebel's table. So Ahab did as the prophet asked for. And all the children of Israel went there and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. So I see here, whom shall I fear? Well, Elijah's definitely not fearing Ahab. He's confronting him face to face. He definitely is not fearing the 450 prophets of Baal. He's definitely not fearing the 400 other prophets that sit at Jezebel's table. That's 850 if you lost count. He doesn't fear any of them. He says, I want you to bring them all to Mount Carmel. And so he does that. And Elijah comes to all the people. They're all there. All the prophets of Baal, all the prophets that sit at Jezebel's table, all of Israel, the northern kingdom, not Judah, not the southern kingdom, but the northern kingdom, come and he says to them, how long are you going to flip-flop? How long are you going to sway between the choices of the Lord your God or Baal? But the people answered him not a word. And then Elijah said to the people, and I find this interesting why he said this as he did, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. I find that interesting because he was just told he was not the only prophet of the Lord. Maybe it's just me overanalyzing texts, but I just find that interesting. Why would someone who knows that has just, just recently been told, you're not the only prophet. I've hidden a hundred others. Why would he say, I am alone, the prophet of the Lord? Maybe, speculation, because I'm trying to figure out and understand why, maybe because he thought he was the only one that was stepping up to the plate. And he thought he was the one. The only one that's standing up. Maybe not the only one alive, but the only one standing up to this atrocity that's happening in the kingdom of Israel. We'll get back to that. So he says to, the, to all the people, the Baal's prophets are 450 men. We already know that there were some others that were sitting at, at the table of Jezebel. There was another 400 that he requested to be brought to him. So he says, let them give us two bulls. 
and choose one bull for themselves. Lay it on the wood. Don't put any fire on it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And then we will have a competition, a challenge. Whom shall I fear? Elijah doesn't fear this challenge. He doesn't fear Baal. He doesn't fear the 450 prophets of Baal. He doesn't fear King Ahab. He's challenging them right to their face. Let's have a competition. Whose sacrifice is going to be consumed by fire that we will not light? Will it be Baal? Or will it be the Lord? And you can call on the name of your gods and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And The God who answers by fire, He is God. So He is there for the purposes of getting everyone's attention to make a decision. You're either going to choose the Lord your God or you're going to choose Baal. But let's find out who's real. Let's do this. Whom shall I fear? Elijah is not fearing anyone at this time. And so they all agreed. They said, yeah, that's a good idea. That's well spoken. And so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. Go ahead. We'll start in the morning. You go first. Choose one bull for yourselves. You choose it. I'm not going to choose it for you. You choose whatever bull you want for yourselves. And prepare it first. And you, you're, you guys are a lot of people. So you, you go first. And call on the name of your God. But don't you put no fire under it. And so they took a bull and they repaired it. And they called on the name of Baal. From morning until noon. So give or take four to six hours, depending upon when they started, when the sun rose, six o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning till noon, they're calling on Baal. Calling on Baal. And they keep calling on Baal. Oh, Baal, hear us, they say. But there was no voice. There was no one that answered. And so when they didn't get any response from all of their calls, they begin to jump around. They begin to leap about the altar. And it was noontime. It had been four to six hours, let's say, give or take. And Elijah, whom shall I fear? Not these people. I'm going to start mocking them. <laughs> Cry aloud. No, no, no. I, I, I don't think he hears you. Get louder. I'm not, I, you got to get higher. The, the, you're too low. He's not answering you. It's been four hours. Maybe you need to get louder. Maybe he's meditating. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on a journey. Uh, perhaps he's sleeping and you got to wake him. You got to get louder. Be louder. Make more noise. Go, 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 go. And so he begins to mock them. And so they cry even louder. And they start cutting themselves because that was their custom. They had to bleed to get their God to answer their cries. And they could use knives and lances and blood was gushing out all over the place with them jumping around around the altar and crying out loud and doing all sorts of whatever you can imagine they did thousands of years ago trying to get the attention of a God that doesn't even exist. And the midday passed. We're past three o'clock. We're past four o'clock. We've been here about six, eight hours now. And Elijah, oh, it says that they prophesied until the time of the offering 
And they went all the way through the midday into the evening. So their opportunity, they had all day, morning, midday, afternoon, all the way to the evening to call upon their God and do whatever self-mutilations they needed to get his attention. But it says there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. So Elijah said to all the people, to near evening, been there all day, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. It was an altar in the northern kingdom, but it had been teared down by Ahab, by Jezebel, and they tore down all the altars. They rose up their own altars to Baal and all of these. Well, he began to repair the altar of the Lord, and he grabbed 12 stones to build that altar. And he not only grabbed 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel, of which only 10 were in the northern kingdom, but God was the God of all Israel and Judah. So he used 12 stones and he dug a trench around the altar. You know, like the the trench around a big castle in a moat, right? And so that's what he was going to do. He was going to create a moat type of thing around the altar and he filled it with water. But he didn't just fill it with water. He filled the altar with water and he kept drenching it. And he drenched it some more. And then he drenched it some more. He drenched it three times, filling that moat around uh, with water. And it came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice. So now it's nighttime. There's no light. Unless someone has a, a fire over there to try to, I mean, think about it. They don't live in our day and age. There's no electricity. There's no lanterns and and lights and flashlights. Somebody must have had light or they wouldn't be able to see anything if there was full moon. And even still, you'd still need some light. So they kept that away and they they have this whole altar drenched with water, overwhelmed with water. And it's evening. And at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, and it reminds me because he starts praying or talking to the Lord like Jesus prayed and talked to the Lord. It wasn't for him. Jesus was talking out loud. Remember when he raised up Lazarus and he started talking to the father, but he was talking to the father and wanting everybody to hear because he wanted them to know that I'm here to do your bidding, Lord. And so he begins to talk in much the same manner. He says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. He was sent for a specific purpose. And so I keep asking, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? He doesn't fear Ahab. He doesn't fear the prophets. He doesn't fear uh, the prophets that sit at Jezebel's table. He doesn't fear the people. He says, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. I'm here specifically to fulfill your purposes, your word. So hear me, Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you 
again. So his purpose was to make a statement. His purpose was to get people's attention off of Baal and onto the Lord God and so that their hearts would return back to him. Not, not Elijah, to him, the Lord their God. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. To make it absolutely abundantly clear that no tricks of any kind could ever take place, it had been doused three times with water. They were doing it. They were dousing it at his command. They were dousing the water and filling up that trench. And then the fire came and consumed every single thing. The altar, the wood, even the water, even the dust was all consumed. To leave no doubt, no question that the Lord, he is God. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They saw it. Their hearts in that moment turned back and the Lord, he is God. And Elijah then said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let them escape. What were they trying to do? Run. They're trying to get away. And so they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook, Kishon, and executed them there. Whom shall I fear? Elijah fears no one that we've mentioned yet at this time. So all the prophets of Baal, all 450 prophets of Baal are slaughtered. Maybe the Lord was paying back for Jezebel slaughtering the prophets of the Lord. So Elijah goes to Ahab. It's not done. Elijah goes to Ahab. It's, the whole, it's another reason why, why uh, uh, Elijah was sent to him. But the other reason was, remember, uh, he was told, go to Ahab because I'm going to do what? What did the Lord say to him? I think I heard somebody say it. Anybody remember? Way back in the beginning? Oh, let's go back there. What did he say to Elijah before he sent him? Go present yourself to Ahab and I will what? Send rain on the earth. That's really the purpose of him going there. And Elijah is to take an opportunity to, I'm going to deal with these prophets as well. And bring the attention of Israel back to, to him. So, Elijah goes to Ahab, I want you to go up, I want you to eat, I want you to drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up. He saw all of this happen before him. I I wouldn't be surprised if he was one of them that were crying out, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And then Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed down on the ground, he put his face between his knees. And he had a servant with him, as prophets usually did. They traveled around with a servant. And he said to a servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And so when he looked, he said there was nothing. Seven times he said this. Who is Elijah fearing? He's not even fearing the fact that he's telling his servant, go up and see what you, know, what you see. He doesn't stop after one time. No, he goes and prays and his head. And a second time, what do you see? Nothing. He doesn't fear the fact of failure. He doesn't fear even that. Three, four, five, six. He continues. 
And then on the seventh time, his servant sees something in the clouds. There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. And so he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you because the rain that was coming was going to be a deluge. And he was trying to tell Ahab, you better get back before this rain comes. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So Ahab left first on chariots, horses, and he didn't want to get stuck under this deluge of rain. And then Elijah doesn't want to get stuck either. So the Lord takes him by the loins, empowers him, and he runs faster than the chariots to get back to some protection, if you will. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. All she did was send a letter. And when he saw that, Elijah, he arose and ran for his life. Whom shall I fear? Elijah feared something. So much so that as soon as that person spoke to him, wrote a letter to him, he ran for his life. And you would think after everything he just did, sending fire down from the sky to consume an undated altar of wet bull and and water in a trench, you would think he would have been, I'm Superman! I am unstoppable! I am indomitable! But he didn't. Because he had a fear in him. And some of us, I, I read that and I think, how in the world could he possibly be fearful? And then I realized that everyone, no matter how they look on the outside, fears something. It's just that that something hadn't presented itself at the time. And then when she did, he ran. You know the, you, you know the rest of this story, how he went to Jay's journey, journey into the wilderness and he sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might, what? Die? How did he go from the hot tops of Mount Carmel to the depths of, I want to die because of a woman. Of all the things to be fearful of, you would think of a woman. But yeah, that's what happened. But don't be all high and mighty that you wouldn't ever do such a thing, that you never fear such things like that. Because I think we all have something that we fear. And I think the Lord wants us to confront those fears and so Jezebel was going to confront him and I'm sure that the Lord would have showed out for him had he stood his position but he didn't 
He just wanted the Lord to take his life, for he is not better than any of his fathers. So, you know how he went to the mountain and, and how he went in, in, in the, the eating of the angel's food and how he uh, saw the, 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 the spirit of the Lord uh, in different ways, but then he heard the still small voice. And I'm just going to go there because it is there that I, I'm, I'm just, I, I still am astonished at how I hear Elijah say this, even to the Lord. I, I, I mean, I, I, I could say, well, you know what? He's saying it to the people. He's trying to, you know, not be full, full uh, of, uh, not, not tell the full story when he said, I alone am the prophet, when he knows there's a hundred. But in the presence of the Lord, he says not once, he says twice to the Lord. When he, when he was asked, why are you here? He said, I alone am left. I alone am left. What, what is he thinking? He knows there's a hundred prophets that have been hidden from Jezebel and Ahab. Why is he even lying to the Lord and saying, I alone am left? Maybe because he thought too highly of himself, as if he was the only one that was standing up against the atrocities, the idolatries, and the abominations that were happening. Maybe he thought too much of himself, because when the Lord responds to him, he doesn't say there's not just a hundred. Do you know what he says? The Lord says to him, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. You are not alone. I, I mean, I think that he thinks too highly of himself, and so the Lord has to correct him. You know there's a hundred, because even Obadiah told you, I hid them, he fed them, he took care of them. But let me let you know, let me let you in on something. There are 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed their feet, that have not bowed their hearts, that have not bowed to Baal to kiss him. So sometimes... In the midst of God using us to deal with others, I find that he is using their circumstances to deal with us and deal with some of the fears that we might have. Because he's about presenting to himself a glorious church without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or dare I say, fear. Because perfect love does what to fear? Cast it all out which means the love of God had not been perfected in him. He may have been able to stand in certain ways, in certain situations for the Lord, but in one situation he couldn't. He had to be perfected, and so do we all. We all have something we need to confront. We all have something we need to fear, but are we going to be honest enough about it to confront it and allow the Lord to empower us to give us victory over it? Because, you know, I... I my, my, the next section that I think of, okay, so he's, he, he's not afraid of the armies, he's not afraid of the king, he's not afraid of the prophets, but he's afraid of this one woman, Jezebel. Okay, well, that says being fearful of our lives. But there's other fears we have. And you could think of your own, but the one that I thought of that I, I think really hits, well, those of us that are adults can attest to this. And those that are just adolescents and, and coming into adolescence, you see this now. There's a fear that we don't call a fear. 
in our psychology today, we call it peer pressure. That's fear. The peer pressure to conform. Oh, we've got to like the same things. We've got to like the same music. We've got to like the same uh, movies. We've So that we can be what? Accepted. Peer pressure is just another way of saying, well, you fear. And so I go to the, what I think, and I'm sure you will all agree that the perfect example of the one who did not fear anything or anyone for any reason is Jesus. It said in John chapter 2, verse 23, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs of which he did. Sometimes peer pressure wants us to receive the affirmation of our peers. We like to get that pat on the back. Wow, good job. Great to go. Way to hit that three. Way to, way to catch that touchdown. Or it's a lot of, you know, involved in sport. Wow, no, they don't say that about grades. No, you, I mean, you could score 100 and they'll be on you like, you know, they'll be beating you down. You score high grade, you know, because they're jealous. And so we know that. But I, I'm trying to focus on the fact that we fear um, our peers because we want their affirmation. We want their adulation. We want their encouragement. We want to say good things about us. And so we will do things, and normally we wouldn't, so that they'll say good things about us. Or, so the opposite, so they won't say bad things about us. And so we end up conforming. Into what? Not God's image. Into their image. But Jesus, he did not, it says in verse 24, he did not commit himself to them. He knew all men. And it says he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. What he's saying is he went about and did the work of the Lord without ever, ever once needing to hear their affirmation. He didn't care. That's not the reason why he did what he did or said what he said. He did not care if not one single person began to follow him. He was there to do the work and the purpose of the Lord regardless of what man said, whether they were for him or against him. In John 5, we see it more clearly in, in different verses, 30 through 47. He said, listen, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Just like Elijah. He was seeking the will of the Father. And when he did the will of the Father, whoo, the Father showed up, showed out on his behalf. He had not to fear. But he also said, if I bear witness of myself, if I talk highly about myself, well, my witness is not true. So I don't even do that. I don't prop myself up. He said, there's another who bears witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. He depended upon another to witness of him, but it was not found in man. He said, you have sent to John... And he is born witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from who? Man. 
You see, John was sent specifically by the Lord to do what? To prepare the way for the Messiah. And yet Jesus says, he's born witness to the truth, but I don't receive testimony from man. I don't even receive testimony from John the Baptist. I'm not interested. But I say these things that you may be saved. So he continues on. He, John the Baptist, was a burning. He was a shining lamp. He lit the area because there was just darkness. And God had to bring forth a light in advance to kind of help prepare the way for the light that was to come. So he was a a burning and shining lamp. Not a light, but a lamp. And you were willing for a time to rejoice in the light that he gave. But I have a greater witness than that of John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So he's not relying on people, adoration, adulation, propping him up like we do with people in Hollywood. We lift them up. We do people in music. We lift them up. We do people on the TV shows. We lift them up. They're like demigods in, the, in, in American society. Always propping each other up and being propped up by the masses. But he didn't care about any of that. All he cared about was fulfilling the work of the Lord and the work itself testified of him. I didn't need to talk about who I am or what I do. Just look at my work. What did he tell the unbelievers when he kept healing, healing, healing? Man, if you don't believe me, what did he say? Believe in the works. Because the Pharisees lied when they said, oh, you cast out by Beelzebub. They knew that was impossible. They knew that was impossible. Beelzebub doesn't cast out himself. They knew that. The only way you can bring about the healing of someone in sickness, in disease or infirmity or in possession of a demon was the finger of God. They knew that. They acted dumb. They acted stupid to try to challenge him because it was the works of God that testified of who he was. And some might get to the point, oh, wow, he's a servant of God. Oh, wow, he's a prophet of God. What they may not have realized that he was a whole lot more. He was the Messiah. He was the promised one. What they did not realize until the new covenant is that he was God manifested in the flesh. They didn't understand that then, and that's all right. But if they got to the point where they started putting their faith in him, believing and trusting in him, they're on the road to salvation. So he says, furthermore, the father himself who sent me, he testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor have you seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in him because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Again, I'm telling you, I don't care what man says. I don't care how highly they think of me, how they might prop me up. I don't care. All that matters to me is that the Father is the one that's testifying of me. The works that I do are the ones that are testifying of me, of who I am or who I came or who sent me. 
But because you're not willing to believe, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. And then he says it again. In case you thought you, 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 you may have missed it or I'm just trying to make a, make a point that isn't really there. What does he say in verse 21? I do not receive honor from men. It would not matter to him if the emperor of Rome testified for him. He would not accept it. I mean, who could testify of you better than the Father, Creator, Himself? No one compares. So why would would He want that? But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name and you not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive. How can you believe who receive one from another? How do you guys believe if you're always just receiving the adulation from each other, but you do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? You see, all of your fear is displaced in all the wrong places. Jesus, being the perfect example, put his fear alone in God, alone in his Father, and he alone was all that mattered to him. You know, there's a saying, when when you serve in the president's office, um, I I I am here to serve at the pleasure of the president. You might have seen that in TV shows or movies. I'm here to serve him at the pleasure of the president. That's how we should be walking. I'm here to serve at the pleasure of my Lord. I've told you before, when I go into work, I'm not here to please my boss, my, my assistant principal. I'm here at the pleasure of my Lord. And in doing so, I'm going to fulfill all the requirements of my principal, of my administrator, and of my students who I'm there to serve. But my fear is placed in the right place. I'm here at at the pleasure of my Lord. And Jesus was there at the pleasure of his Lord. He only sought the honor that comes from the only God, his Father. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. We're not here to accuse There is one who accuses, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Whom shall I fear? To finish off and conclude Psalm 27 where I started, one thing have I desired, of the Lord that will I seek that I may dwell so that I can dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he's going to hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle he's going to hide me he shall put me high upon the rock and now my head shall be lifted up above mine enemies all around me 
I am not going to depend on man to deliver me. I am not going to depend upon the government to deliver me. I am not going to depend upon my health insurance to keep me healthy. I'm going to depend upon the Lord. The Lord is going to put me high upon a rock above all of my enemies. He says that he has seated us in heavenly places high above all principalities, all powers, all rulers of the darkness, all wicked spirits in high places because that's where he is and that's where he placed me. And that's where he placed you. So here, oh Lord, when I cry with my voice, in my humility, for I know I'm not perfect, have mercy upon me and answer me. For I know I'm not perfect. I know I can't save myself. I know that even after I had or received the gift of the Holy Ghost, that I have still yet to be made perfect. I'm not yet there. I have not yet apprehended what you have apprehended me for. And so when I cry to you, when I, when you said, when Lord, when you said, seek my face, what did I say? What did you say? Oh, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. I will hunger. I will thirst. I will pant for the living waters. So don't hide your face from me, Lord. See beyond my flesh. See beyond my actions and look into my heart. For you know that's the secret place. That's where I need to be. Do not leave me. Do not forsake me. Do not turn away your servant in anger. You have been my help. When my father and my mother forsake me, when all though my friends that I wanted their attention, that I wanted their acceptance, when all of them leave me, oh Lord, you are there. You will take care of me. Teach me your way. Oh, Lord, lead me in the smooth path because of mine enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. That's why Jesus didn't accept man, because he knew what was in man. One day, they'll put palm trees for you, singing, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And less than seven days later, they'll be crucify him. Crucify him. He knew that. And we ought to know that as well. To to want to receive the adulation and the acceptance of man. When one day they'll be for you and the next day they'll not only be against you, they'll try to bury you six feet under. You don't need that. All you need, all you need is the favor of the Lord. And with the favor of the Lord, doors open for you where you didn't even knock. And you receive appropriations of blessings from heaven that you didn't even know to ask for. Because you put yourself in the right place. You have feared the Lord and not man. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So in the very last verse... I will wait on the Lord and I will be of good courage for he will strengthen my heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart and express the Father's heart to you. 
you appreciate listening to this podcast and we're blessed, pass it along to someone else by text, email, or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. One, pray for us. Two, leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus or cash app dollar sign jbenjesus or Venmo jbenjesus. That's J. B-E-N-J-E-S-U-S. God bless.